I want to say a word of appreciation for those who made the Friday night movie night so, so splendid. Uh, making the popcorn, the setup of the room, the projection, the comments that were made before Sing 2 was shown, uh, and after um, those who, who helped clean up uh, popcorn uh, is cleanable. And uh, you can sweep it and vacuum it and do, do all kind of stuff. So it's a perfect snack uh, in the fellowship hall. And if you uh, contributed to making all that happen, thank you, congratulations. It was a great, uh, it was a great event. Frequently I run into people who, who ought on themselves. I ought to do this, I ought to do that, or they should on themselves. I should do this, I should do that. And uh, oftentimes the things that people think they ought to do or they should do, they can't do. They have nothing to do with what's really going on and there's nothing to do about it. So if we're going to talk about what I ought to do or what I should do, it should be related to something that I actually can do. And we have something in front of us today in the passage of Scripture from Hebrews chapter 2 that we can do. There's something we can do about it. Uh, there's something we should pay attention to. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, we must pay closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. So, here's something we are supposed to pay attention to. Relationships that go unnurtured and uncared for uh, deteriorate. Uh, those of you who are engineers will will be available after the service to explain the second law of thermodynamics. In um, uh, the nuts and bolts of that is that any physical system has a tendency to wear down or wear out or decay. It's called the law of entropy. So, again, the nuts and bolts in that is uh, if we don't take care of things, they tend to deteriorate. And that's a physical picture of a human propensity. Things in relationship can wear down or, or fray. We must pay closer attention to what we have heard, according to Hebrews 2, verse 1, lest we drift away from it. So we're going to look at a passage of Scripture this morning, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, that tells us, what we should be paying attention to and doing something about. What should we pay attention to? Well, Christians in the first century who received the book of Hebrews were cooling off in their relationship with the Lord. And there are 13 chapters full of encouragements to keep the spiritual heat up, to keep the spiritual intensity at a level that it needs to be in order for their relationship with the Lord to be what it was intended to be. We've already looked in chapter 1 that the work of Jesus Christ is called a finished work. Anything that God had to say to us is accomplished in the sacrifice of Christ and in his resurrection. So that chapter 1 describes the finished work of Jesus. From chapter 2 on, there are many suggestions, admonitions, directives about how we are to pay attention to certain things in our life so that we can maximize the relationship 
that Jesus died to provide for us. So we ought to spiritually focus our lives. That's one thing that we ought to do and we can do. We must pay closer attention to what we've heard lest we drift from it. There we have it. If you take a trip through the scriptures and look for our personal responsibilities, here's one of them. We need to pay attention to the things we've been heard. Now, this expression, drift away, some translations say that lest at any time we let them slip. These words are used to describe a slow leak. Uh, The other day I had a slow leak in a tire, and uh, when the man repaired it, he brought a little piece of metal out and said, you're from Spartansburg. It's the head of a horseshoe nail. And somebody had thrown a shoe, and um, I got the nail that came out of the shoe. So, no, yeah. (laughs) You know, I I wanted to say that because I I showed it to people. I want to show it to my grandsons. Um, Because it's a distinctive nail. You know exactly what you're looking at. If you know about horseshoes uh, and, and, and the nails that keep them on. So it, it created a slow leak. Spiritual vitality is not lost by a blowout. It's lost by a slow leak. And uh, it's, it's not perceptible. It happens slowly. It's like a ship that's lost its direction and it's just kind of drifting. And uh, this passage gets a hold of that. If we don't intentionally focus our life drift, and that's here talked about spiritually. It also has physical applications in terms of our interpersonal relationships with our wife or children, the people we work with, any type of human relationship. So how do we spiritually focus our lives? What is it that we're to take heed to? Well, in verse 2 it says, For the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord? The answer is we won't escape if we ignore the teaching of salvation. So we ought to spiritually focus our lives by placing our attention on Christ. That's the first thing after spiritually focus your life. We need to pay attention to the Lord. So Christ is the focus. We have not come to a religious system. We've not come to an ideology. We've not come to some religious formalism. We have come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, and he is the focus of our attention. The spiritual focus is on Christ as the person. Additionally, we pay attention to our spiritual life. We pay attention to Christ, and we pay attention to the testimony of other people. That's in verse 3. It says, It was first spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. In other words, other Christians in the first century who heard Christ talked about him. And they were talking about him, and the people who heard them talking about him 
this contributed to their spiritual formation. So we focus ourselves spiritually, we focus on the Lord, and we focus on the testimony of other people about the Lord. When Luke started his gospel, uh, in Luke chapter 1, he's writing to a, a man named Theophilus, and he goes into great detail saying that he, he researched all these things because he wanted Theophilus to know the certainty of the things he had been taught. This was not just a pipe dream. There's truth here. He investigated it, and then, and then he wrote it. So that the testimony of other Christians is a source of spiritual direction and, and blessing for us. I remember the joy I had listening to uh, a young man one time explaining how he had come to understand some of the deeper truths of the doctrine of sanctification, of how he separated under the Lord. And the more he talked, the more I got excited. This guy's got the real stuff. And, and it encouraged me in my spiritual life listening to his testimony of how uh, God had, uh, had spoken to him and was leading in his life. So we spiritually focus our life by paying attention to Christ, by the testimony of other Christians, and by the evidence of miracles. There's nothing like a miracle to help us pay attention to our faith and the intricacies of our faith. Hebrews 2, verse 3, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began spoken by the Lord? It was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. There's a testimony of other Christians. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and divers miracles. In the first century, God authenticated the message of Christ by miraculous intervention. And he does the same thing today. God is authenticating what he says by acting supernaturally in day-to-day -day life. Uh, I was a pastor in Albany, Oregon from 1971 to 77. And I was asked to serve on the board of a Christian radio station. And I think why I got the job was the Albany Alliance Church in Albany, Oregon uh, allowed their basement to be used to fold mailers and send out mailers to raise money to buy this radio station. Long before I ever showed up, a radio station went on the market for sale. And one of the people who worked there had just become a Christian. And he wanted to buy the radio station and have it be a Christian station. And it would be a Christian corporation that ran the radio station. And uh, I'm using real names. My hunch is all these people are dead by now. So there's no offense given at the use of their name. I'm telling the names because these are real people. These are real men. Uh, Larry Gordon was the guy who wanted to buy the station and have it be a Christian station. And uh, they sent out letters, and uh, the day was coming. And the whole town knew about this. The whole city knew about it. The time was coming to buy the station. It's, the 
calendar's ticking off, and now we're down to it's time to show up or shut up. And uh, he was at the end of 2nd Street in Albany, Oregon, at the business of Claude Berge, who was a contractor. And Larry and Claude Berge were counting the money. And again, the time to buy it is now. The bank's just down the street. They counted all the money. They were short. They didn't have enough money. So because the clock's ticking, they decided they were going to go down and see if they could, Larry could cut a deal with the bank to buy it with what, what they had. So and I got this from Larry. When I was on the board, he told this story. So he starts down the street, and there are people standing along the sidewalk as, as he goes. So uh, people start putting put money in his pockets. They start handing him money. When he got to the bank door, there were people literally handing him money. Line of people down the street, he's at the bank. They went in, he had enough money to buy the station. Now, you talk about a board of directors that was convinced that God wanted a Christian radio station in that town. Well, that just thrilled my heart. <laughs> So how many miracles, I could ask myself, I won't put you on the spot, how many miracles do I have to see to keep me spiritually focused? I could, I could tell you lots of stories. When I preached about God's clock from, from uh, Exodus 3, God knows the timing of things. And I reeled off all these things that just, seemingly happened. Now, some people would look at that as it's a coincidence. Well, that's a coincidence. Well, Shazam, that's a coincidence. You know, eventually, uh, even the most blind person can see that this is not a series of coincidences. This is the hand of the Lord. And uh, anyway... This is one of the miracle stories that blesses my heart. Because I knew the two men who counted the money. And I know the guy who walked down the street and had enough when he needed it. He didn't need it when he was down at Claude's business. He didn't need it when he left. He just needed it when he went in the door. And when he went in the door of the bank, he had what he needed. There's a passage in 2 Chronicles 16.9. Just of it is, the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the earth. And he's looking to show himself strong in the lives of people who have an undivided heart toward him. So God's looking for candidates to manifest his miraculous power and, and blessing. I, I want to I be in that lineup because it's related to spiritual attention of, of my life. Look at those miracles. The last thing we're told to pay attention to, focus your life, pay attention to Christ, the testimony of other people, the evidence of miracles, 
and God's spiritual gifts to us. That's the end of verse 4. God authenticates these things by miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. Each Christian's given a spiritual gift or spiritual gifts. People debate. Do you have one? Do you have more? Do you have a cluster of gifts or do you have one? I don't know. Pay your quarter, take your pick. God equips his people to do his work. And, and we need to focus our attention on the gifts that God has given us that we might move ahead and do what it is that he would have us do given the gifts that we have. So this responsibility, when people should on themselves or ought on themselves, the, the thing we need to pay attention to is what is it that I'm responsible for? And the first four verses of Hebrews chapter 2 just gives me a list. My, my sentence is just the phrases that come out of verses 1 through 4 of Hebrews chapter 2. These are the things that I should pay attention to. Now there's a tremendous parallel between marriage and this relationship we have with the Lord. That is, if we don't take care of our relationship with the Lord, uh, we're going to have weakness. We'll have a slow leak. We'll have a drift. And the same could be said about marriage and family issues. In fact, Ephesians chapter 5 uses Christ and his relationship with his people and marriage as, as two illustrations of things that work together. They're, they're spoken out of the same mouth, so to speak. So relationships, whether it's our walk with the Lord, the issue's a slow leak, oftentimes not a blowout. And Hebrews 2 adds things to the, the focus that our life needs to have. Every sermon should have three things. One of them is something to know and understand. And I know and understand, based on this teaching of Scripture, that my relationship with the Lord will run down or leak if I don't pay attention to it. And that can be applied as well to any relationship we have uh, with our wife or a wife's relationship to her husband or coworkers, the people we work with, or friends at church. Or neighbors, if we don't take care of relationships and we don't invest in relationships, they, they run down of their own initiative. Slowly. Every sermon should have something to believe. I believe that. And then if I say I believe it, I have to do something. And so one of the things I do is I resist the temptation to take people for granted. Now, if you are a country western person, that just leads right into a Merle Haggard song, You Take Me for Granted. And that's, that's true. That is, the, that is the marriage expression of what we've just been talking about set in a country western uh, genre. Or you might know the song, You Don't Even Know My Name. 
and, and that takes this idea and applies it to marriage and interpersonal relationships. So I need to resist the temptation to take people for the Lord for granted. And it's, it's easy uh, to do that. Uh, I also resist the temptation to feel entitled to people's friendship. Um, we live in a culture of entitlement, and um, I, I don't want to be part of it. I want to invest myself in the work I do. I want to invest myself in the people uh, I'm around, and um, I'm obligated to earn people's trust and, and their respect, and I don't take their friendship as something that I'm entitled to get. So the the gist of this is if I don't pay attention to the relationships uh, in my life, my walk with the Lord and my relationship with people, they will deteriorate. And so I want to be an investor in the right kinds of relationships. And instead of feeling obligated to do something about things I have no control over, I want to feel obligated to do the things that I do have control over and I can plow myself into those kinds of relationships. We're going to have a word of prayer and then we will observe Holy Communion. So let us pray. Our Father, thank you for putting uh, in your word these clear directives about how we need to pay attention to our spiritual life. And as we think about that, the implications that our relationship with you has on all the relationships that we enjoy in life. We want to be doers of the word and not hearers only. We want to pay attention to our dear Savior, pay attention to the people who testify and pour spiritual insight into our lives. We want to pay attention to the miracles that our lives have witnessed the things that some would explain away, but the eye of faith sees that this is part of your dealing with us, your goodness. And we, we want to use the gifts and the ministries that you've gifted us to use for your honor and glory, and these gifts connect us to people as well. So help us to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves as we seek to live an upright, committed, focused life in our walk with you. We worship you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God has built into the life of his people a remembrance of the things we've just talked about. And we observe the Lord's Supper on 
first Sunday of the month to remind us of the sacrifice Christ made for us and to renew our devotion and commitment to him. If you've received Christ as your Savior, we invite you to celebrate Holy Communion with us. The night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and broke it. And he said, this is my body which is broken on your behalf. We are admonished to remember him in the eating of the bread. All this took place during a Passover observance, the Passover meal. And the bread symbolizes his holiness and purity. It's an unleavened bread. And that it is the bread, it's referred to as the bread of haste, that is, the bread in the meal for Passover. They were leaving Egypt quickly. And it was the bread of haste. And we need to quickly leave the land of sin and move quickly into the promised land. The Lord said, this is my body which is broken in your behalf. Let us eat in remembrance of our dear Savior. There were four cups of wine consumed during the Passover meal. Over one of the cups, the Lord Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And again, he said that this is related to us remembering him uh, in its drinking. So let us pray, and then we will drink together. Father, we want to thank you that you built into your church a holy act that is aimed at us remembering who you are and what you've done for us. And we take none of these benefits for granted. You are a good and gracious God. You have explained all of these things to us in your word. And so we are an informed child of yours. We're informed children. We understand depth of your love for us and the purposes you have to remind us of who we are and who we belong to. Amen. This cup, Jesus said, is the new covenant in my blood, and he relates all of our consuming of it to remembering him and what he has done for us. Let us drink together. 